Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by I Have Chosen to Stay and Fight. And you know what that means. It is time for another By the Book mini-episode. another by-the-book epilogue. This week, we are looking at the aftermath of living by I Have Chosen to Stay and Fight by Margaret Cho. Get it, Cho? She chose to stay and fight. No, (laughs) no. I choose not to get that. (laughs) Let's get to a few quick announcements first, Uh, shall we? 
Yeah. Announcement one. Uh, for all of our reality TV lovers, you have got to listen to this. Kristen was on the latest episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire, recapping Too Hot to Handle season two. You have to check it out. You're going to hear all of Kristen's hot takes. And you'll hear what Kristen sounds like in a bikini because, yeah, uh huh, she wore a bikini to the taping. That's how dedicated I am to the process. That's, as Mm -hmm. they say on Too Hot to Handle, are you dedicated to the process, which is to wear a bikini but not touch anybody. Anywho. Um, Announcement number (laughs) two. I was also on the newest episode of CBC's Inappropriate Questions. Check it out if you want to learn more about my adoption story, my life growing up in a transracial family, or how much I hate the question, who are your real parents? It's such a good listen. You got to check it out. Again, that is the Love to See It podcast and the Inappropriate Questions podcast. Kristen is everywhere on like some very, very good shows. Seriously, you should listen to both. And now, Jolenta, my friend, shall we get to this mailbag, this very fully stuffed mailbag on it's so heavy. Ugh. Yes, let's ah. do it. Let's do <laughs> that it. That was me putting it on the table. I, I knew that. I knew that. Good, I good, could see good. it with my own eyes. Right, right. <laughs> I was doing like space work while I made the sounds in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> so Kristen could see it on the Zoom. We call it space work, not miming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's get this thing going. And I want to start with people who have positive things to say, because who doesn't love positivity? They have positive things to say about Margaret Cho and our episode. Uh, first, we got Joni, who says, I am sure that Margaret's strong stands on same-sex marriage and gender identity were seen as somewhat revolutionary 16 years ago when she wrote her book. These days, they strike me as obvious. I guess that's a sign that Margaret and other trailblazers before her have made pathways in the fight. Thank you, Margaret. Oh, Joni. I like that letter. I like that letter. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of what... Uh, used to be said about feminism back when Jolenta and I were wee lasses. People would, you know, sometimes say, oh, these kids nowadays, they take for granted that there's this thing called Title IX, or these kids nowadays take for granted that uh, there's FMLA or certain things like that that women benefit from. And the great thing is um, we were able to take it for granted to a certain extent because all of the people before us worked so hard to make that happen. And I think Margaret and all of her predecessors, they kind of, you know, did the same thing because I don't know about you, Jolenta, but when I was a little kid, um, same-sex marriage and gender identity, uh, these things weren't talked about the same way that they are right now. And absolutely, those things definitely changed over the years, especially at least in the world that I ran in. It wasn't until maybe 10 or 15 years ago that people really started talking about gender identity as something where, as Margaret says, it's very much in our hearts and minds. It's nothing to do with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Something that can be as fluid as sexuality. Yeah. Yes. I just also like that when you run into things that are dated that aren't like egregious or like, ew, um, it's also nice to remember like it's dated and that means like she was on the right side of history, which is fun to think about. Yes. I love that. All right, Dana has this to say. 
I know you didn't go too deep into it in your episode, but I love that Margaret said that we should not expect any art or artist to be perfect. Sometimes these days, I think we forget that we all make mistakes, we all evolve, and society's ideals change. For example, you've talked on the show about how being colorblind was once considered the height of wokeness, and I was definitely someone who walked through the world saying I was colorblind. Now we know better. No one is perfect, including artists. It's true, and it's tough. Yeah. That's all I have to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I just know I've probably said and done so many things that I would cringe at now, but they were probably considered very woke like 20 mm. years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, and and who knows? Maybe people are judging me for that. <laughs> I hope they aren't, but, you know, maybe they are. I, yeah. I, I agree, Dana. Sometimes we sometimes judge people with uh, today's standards looking back at other times and so on. And it can be tough, especially with art and artists when we really love the art sometimes and they say and do problematic stuff yeah that can be tough all right i want to move on uh because a lot of people appreciated that margaret cho talked about the war which is something that almost none of our authors have touched on so far during this entire show yeah for years and years and years have we heard anybody talk about the war no it's pretty much no we have not We've talked about, like, global affairs and, like, you should learn about them-ish, I think, but nothing like this, right? No, nothing like this. And it's kind of phenomenal when you think about how many books we've lived by that, Mm. you know, this means, like, dozens and dozens of authors just chose not to bring it up uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Anywho. Let's get to a letter. Amanda says, not something I like to admit, but I almost never think about the war. It's easy to forget, other than my sister-in-law being deployed to Afghanistan for a year once. I don't think it has affected me in any obvious ways. It's definitely a privilege I have to not ever consider it, except when a news story pops up. It's heartbreaking to remember that people on the other side of the world deal with this every day. And for what? That hits me where she's like, I almost never think about it other than my sister-in-law being deployed. And it's like, that's someone who's way more touched by it than than I am. And and I rarely think about it. It's like, yeah, we it is such a privilege to act like this is something that like isn't going on. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think we should think about it more. Mm -hmm. I really do. It's like this invisible war that's happening. Um, In the early days, I know I and many of my friends were in the streets marching um, against that invasion. And yeah, Mm -hmm. and I, and I, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, why did I stop marching? Did I just give up? Did I just reach a place of apathy? Were there other things I moved on to? Um, And yeah, I don't feel great about that. So that's, yeah, that's something that I don't feel great about either. Um, So yeah, Amanda, I I guess I'm a little bit like you in that way that I have the privilege of not thinking about it very often and I don't feel great about it. Uh, Joy says this, my dad was in the National Guard forces until 2010 and he deployed three times with them and then went back to Afghanistan twice as a civilian. He came back with PTSD, unable to find a good job for a few years. Thankfully, things have gotten much better. The hardest part now is getting older and realizing that he could have died and for what? Making a bunch of rich people even richer? My dad has talked a lot about the military's role in creating the terrorists they're fighting against. He carries a lot of guilt, and all because they were lied to. Mm. 
That's fucking heavy. <laughs> Ugh. Wow. It's, I mean, everything Joy says is like dead on. It's all to make rich people richer. And somehow it was fun to be about patriotism and like doing good and rebuilding. And it's just been this pit of like <laughs> stolen lives and like, you know, waste all for nothing, all for money. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, not just all of our American um, enlisted people who went over there, but we already mentioned this in the episode, how many people over there mm. grew up in that world, grew up in a war-torn land every day. Right. In the U.S., we're at war, but nobody's living in right. that world with them other than you know, our military who were over there. So like the kids over here who were born, like with this going on, like don't see it and never have, you know, it's almost a luxury that we remember it even starting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Next letter. Mm hmm. Yes. All right. This is from Bryce, who says, I was in the Air Force from 2008 to 2020 and deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan Due to the nature of my Air Force job, I participated in those conflicts even while stationed at home. So those wars have been around me throughout my 20s and early 30s. Always in the background, but only front of mind at work. I was lucky. My deployments were times of deep personal growth, and I frankly enjoyed them. But I know that was not the norm. Mm, yeah. Bryce, thank you for your service. Yes. And Bryce, thank you for sharing that sense of perspective, because I think that sometimes... I I know myself just because I'm going through something one way doesn't mean other people are going through it the same way as me. And I have to be reminded of that sometimes. But mm. it sounds like, Bryce, you already know that. You know that these years of growth for you were not growth for loads and loads and loads, millions of other people. They weren't. So um, thank you for sharing your story, Bryce. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Shall we move on to the topic of empowering ourselves to speak, Jolenta? Yes. So Margaret says in her book, that's her first step. We should mm -hmm. do that. We should empower ourselves to speak. It's uh, necessary. Of course, it's not always easy. And some of you wrote in to say, oh, yeah, you know it's not easy. That's right. Kevin wrote in to say, I think growing up as a foster kid, it became second nature to minimize myself and never speak up. I internalized a sense that I should count myself lucky for even having a roof over my head and that I had no right to complain regardless of how I was treated in my life. I definitely haven't overcome it yet, but it's in my awareness, so I can try to build myself up step by step going forward. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry to hear that story, but it sounds like you have, you know, such a great sense of yourself here. You have such a great perspective on what you've been through, and it sounds like you're doing all you can to move forward in life. So I, again, I'm sorry about what you've gone through, but I really admire what you're doing right now for yourself. Totally. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but I've often found that like finding awareness about something that you didn't even realize you could ask for or like that you deserved is sometimes the hardest part. And then you sort of can work backwards from there. So like kudos, you've clearly done a ton of fucking work. All right. Krista has this to say, I actually am on the opposite side. I struggle to know when not to speak up. It's a trauma response of situations where I have definitely not been heard, 
with situations of abuse. So now I can't seem to stay quiet. Krista, I relate. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing. I get like bigger and louder and bigger and louder. Like, and it's like hard to shut off. Um, and it's it's in a response to like not feeling heard, and it like makes it harder and harder for people to listen to you. It's like a vicious cycle. Um, but again, awareness is the first step, right? It's interesting how we all respond to trauma in different ways because a lot of people would have the same story of because of the abuse, because of feeling un- unheard, I just realized there was no point in speaking up at all. And other people will say what Krista here said, which was, I don't know when not to yell about it. I'm just going to yell about it all the time because I need so desperately to be heard. I was never heard uh, growing up. So uh, we're complex creatures, humans. Mm -hmm. We're complex. (laughs) And speaking of complexity, uh, some people have complex feelings about Margaret Cho. Yes. Yes, they do. Jennifer says, I'm a little confused by Margaret's assertion that women should stop obsessing over our looks because most people aren't looking at us anyway. The fact is, everyone is looking at us and judging our appearance all the time as women. We're judged for giving up if we're fat or over 35 or having a bad hair day. We're judged for trying too hard. If we get Botox or fillers or go on restrictive diets, we can't win. Being a Hollywood star, Margaret should know this as well as anyone. Mm, Jennifer, Mm. you are not the only person who wrote in with that criticism. I will say in Margaret's defense, though, um, what she writes is a little bit more nuanced, that as soon as she stopped obsessing over dieting and over her appearance— she became a lot happier with herself and realized people weren't constantly obsessing over her appearance. She was obsessing way more than they were. And I think she was speaking in hyperbole when she said, Mm -hmm. nobody is looking at you. I think the point she was trying to make was most of us who are obsessing over this blemish or that frizzy hair or whatnot or those extra, what you would perceive as those extra 10 pounds, most people don't care. And I think that in real life, day-to-day, walking down the street, at the grocery store, in the office, on the subway, I'm guessing she's right. Most people probably don't really care that much. Yeah. it's. I feel like my mom says something akin to this, and it is hyperbole about, like, like no one cares about you as much as you. Like, sort of vibe about, like, no one's scrutinizing you as hard as you scrutinize yourself. No one's going to notice that, like, stray hair on your chin that you can feel at work and, like, can't wait to get home to plug. Um, Just a random example. But, (laughs) you know. Yes. But I also get what Jennifer's saying, where it's, like, also the reason we care about all this shit in the first place is because, like, societal norms that were placed on us. And, like, if we don't meet, like, we're considered outsiders. So, you know, you can't fucking win either way. Yeah. So that's absolutely true, too, Jennifer. We don't mean to invalidate what you're saying at all. Um, It's a tough road to go. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in politics. You see women being judged all the time for how we look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hopefully in most cases, other people aren't scrutinizing us as much as we're scrutinizing ourselves. All right. Sharon had this to say as far as having complex feelings about Margaret Show. Sharon wrote, if you're not a feminist, you don't deserve to live. Yikes. Did Margaret Show really say this? This takes away any credence the book might have. Uh, Sharon, 
Now, this is a case of the art versus the artist. This is oh my gosh, art. This is art that may be a clunker for some people. This is her, you know, uh, off the cuff, being brash, uh, comedy. Look at me, I'm a comedian. And maybe this is a case of the art and the artist maybe not lining up well, mm. where maybe you can love Margaret, but maybe you don't love all of her ways of relaying information. Or maybe not. Maybe you hate Margaret. I don't know. I'm not sure, Sharon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the point she's making is if you don't see equality as important, what the fuck is wrong with you? I think is what, you know. Totally. She's trying to say. <laughs> but This is a um, very brash uh like trying to evoke a knee-jerk reaction type way of saying it. And I feel like when she wrote this, it was an even bigger deal. It was even more brash. I think I almost feel like it probably packed more of a punch because this is when, you know, starlets were giving interviews about like, I don't know if I would say I'm a feminist because like, oh my that's God, it was a dirty so word. Irritating. It was when like feminist meant you were like yeah. – bad or like gross or like couldn't hang and it's like so i think it was meant to be almost even more inflammatory <laughs> um but that doesn't mean it's good so for some people that's a huge turnoff for other people it's thought provoking yeah and um i'm so glad you brought up that era jolenta because i totally blanked that out but um i feel that jolenta you and i were brought up to of course we're feminists what's the big like, why would we not be feminists? Of course we are. But yeah, there was that little blip on the radar for a few years where, yeah, the, the young starlets would say they weren't feminists. Um, the young starlets during that time did a lot of problematic things, though. They started using words like retarded just to insult people. They did a lot of weird things. There was just this weird era there. It was a weird, Anywho, um, like, media meets young people with too much money and, like... Like, you know, stooping to expectations that society built of them. It was a weird time, and saying you were a feminist, like, made you, like, unattractive for a hot second. One other thing I want to say about this era, too, you don't deserve to live. This was the era where we would constantly go around if we were upset about something and say, oh, just shoot me. We made a lot of jokes about killing ourselves and other people back then. Right, yeah. We don't do that as much now, but oh, my God. When I look back on that, it's like, oh, the number one primetime sitcom in America is actually literally called Just Shoot Me for a while. Do you remember that? Oh, my God, right. (laughs) Wow. I totally forgot about that. It was yeah. a double entendre about photos, but. Yes. But it was also about, I have to work with David Spade and I don't want to live in, anymore. Yeah. Whoa. <sighs> Think about that while we take a quick break. And then we'll talk more about, you know, letters you wrote that had to do with the two of us and uh, how we live by Margaret Cho's book. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's all-purpose cleaner cleans and kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. It can be used on hard, non-porous surfaces like the kitchen, bathroom, and other areas in your home. (sighs) Don't just clean. Lysol clean. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring 
the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back with listener comments about I Have Chosen to Stay and Fight by Margaret Cho. And now, Jolenta, let's get through some of these letters that are specific to you and to me and how we live by the book. Mm-hmm. First, Kristen, I very much want to talk about your election work. Well, yeah. well, well. <laughs> Kristen applied to be an election worker with the hopes of helping other people have their voices be heard. And can I just say, Kristen has been trying to get this gig for a long time. (laughs) So the fact that it finally happened and during this book is so exciting. Um, Reka wrote in to say, Kristen, a talented musician and performer I know named Caroline Celia said she recognized you when you were working the New York City primary election and that she introduced herself. Congratulations on being selected for the gig. Uh, they were lucky to have you. And thanks for saying hi to all your fans. Did you oh. did you get recognized working the polls? Multiple times, which is crazy because we had our faces covered, obviously, because of COVID, you know, protocol and so on. So, you know, I had my glasses on. I had my face mask on. Part of the day, I think I had a hat on, too. So I was really surprised. But, um, yeah, several people throughout the day, I'm like, how do you even know who I am? That's so cool. Yeah, I I was really happy to say hi to everyone, though. So uh, thanks, everyone, who said hi. And thanks for voting. Voting is great. Do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. I I was so excited to be picked. So excited. 17-hour day of working for democracy, and it was worth it. Well, she lives (laughs) for working a long day. So it's like her two best friends came to play, democracy and, like, being a workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jocelyn wrote in with this pro tip And I just love it because if I don't get selected again to be a poll worker, maybe I'll do this. Jocelyn writes, if you don't get picked as a poll worker, there are great opportunities to make sure the process is fair. After years as an election judge, I wasn't needed anymore. And through the League of Women Voters of the U.S., I learned about an organization called Election Protection and spent the last election period making sure the polls opened and closed on time, that the polls were accessible, that voters had information in line about how to vote quicker, etc. You both would be great members of both groups. I love that. It's like being a stage manager for elections. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I will be looking into that for realsies. Yeah. I also feel like it's kind of like being a cheerleader for voting. Like, you can do it. Here's a way to do it faster Mm -hmm. and easier. You go in there. You can do it. They're still open. I made sure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. 
Oh, can we talk about websites, Kristen? Because I saw this thread on a Facebook group and it was fascinating to me. Yes, yes. I loved this. I love this thread. Carolyn said, in the latest episode, Jalenta mentions having a website and not having a resume anymore. It sounds like a website is the resume of the future, but maybe I'm stuck in the past because I've never heard of non-famous people having a website. Is a website something job seekers or volunteers should be doing? Is it more common in creative fields and the rest of us should stick to our resumes? Well, I think this is such a great question. Um, I got to say, so many people these days I know have websites even when they're in high school and college because oh, right. because they put them on their college applications or university applications, I should say, for our international people, university, higher education. So um, the process of applying for university in the U.S. can be, oh, gosh, it it, it it, it can be a big rigmarole, and uh, one way to make yourself stand out for some kids is to have a website, and the website shows their activities they were in in school. It shows their part-time jobs, uh, uh, their volunteer work, and so on, and it's kind of you know a place for links if you were ever written up by the school paper or anywhere else so people can see all the great things that you did. And, you know, just a more glitzy presentation of like, this is why I'm great. Um, especially kids who either want to be in fields like computing, web design. Oh, um, right. Because that shows your and, skills too. Yes, exactly. Uh, media, um, any of those fields, journalism and so on. So it's, you know, it, it's becoming more and more and more common, I have found, with some of the young people I know. But, um, yeah, I mean – Jolenta, you and I are in a very specific kind of field of work, though, too, ourselves. I would say, like, in our field, like, I remember back when I was still working, like, a, a real job. No, but when I was working in radio and, like, looking at resumes for, you know, interns or just, like, people applying to jobs uh, at the show we worked for, um, often it was both like a resume and a website, especially if you have a portfolio that can be um, like viewed or listened to or watched digitally, like especially for audio and video, it almost helps to have a website because you don't have to like bring a CD with you. Like sometimes <laughs> people used to do or like, you know, bring your reel on tape. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it makes that sort of multimedia stuff a lot easier to like transport and share. Um, and often I know like even actors, like they'll have a tab for their resume on their website. Like a lot of people still have some sort of like PDF that they can print out. I feel like mm -hmm. I just stopped having that once I went freelance because anytime I wanted a job, usually it came with like a proposal that I do write out. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so, like, there is still writing involved, but, yeah, I do. I forgot about the youngins and how they all have it for college, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I would say, do you need a resume if you're in a non-creative field? To get back to Carolyn's question, I would say you do if you're a freelancer. Because freelancers, frequently, this is, you know, a way to show that you have, um, you know, work history and there's links totally. and so on in a way that maybe a regular resume wouldn't show as a freelancer because, um, yeah, freelancing, a lot of what freelancing is, is you are your own company. So you should have a company website to show off what your company right. does. That's what it is. 
Yes, which is why I created KristenMinzer.com. What was that, season three or whatever yeah. I did that way back when? And it's like, they taught me this in acting school, too. It's like, you are your product. You treat yourself like a business. Like, yeah. Yes, so Every business exactly. has a website, and so often freelancers do. Duh. Yes. But can we talk about belly dancing? I'm so sick of talking about work and resumes. I'm going to talk about your belly. Yes, let's talk about belly dancing. Uh, Jory wrote to say, I sympathize, Kristen. I had been taking belly dance classes for a year and a half when the pandemic hit. My teacher was in her 70s and had been dancing for over 40 years, and she focused on the music and the culture of it. We learned how to use props and how to improv, and we performed at recitals, and she gave advice on becoming a professional dancer. I even performed a solo. Then COVID hit. And a few months in, my teacher moved to a town two hours away. I tried dancing along to YouTube tutorials, but it wasn't the same. And it was hard to find ones that weren't focused on cardio or like belly busting fat burning. If you're still interested, hopefully there's a studio near you offering in-person classes soon. Until then, just try dancing to Arabic music videos. It's still fun to dance. Oh, I love that tip of dancing along to music videos. I mean, full disclosure, every once in a while, I dance along to Bollywood music videos because, oh my God, they're just beautiful and fun and delicious and so on. But um, I haven't danced along to Arabic music videos. I'm going to give that a try, Jory. Thank you for that tip. I definitely will try that. Okay, uh, I guess we're going to, I guess we're going to take it down a notch and uh, talk about medical abuse. Yes, this is a much more serious issue, and it's one that, Jolenta, you talked frankly about in the episode. So uh, a lot of people had things to say about it. Mm -hmm. Emma says, I grew up in a household where domestic violence was the norm. My father rarely called me by my actual name. Instead, he had a nickname for me, which literally translates to mean fat. I was made to believe that I was weak, ugly, useless, and a waste of space on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. I never considered how this treatment might impact me later in life when it comes to seeking medical attention until I listened to this part of the episode. In February of this year, I had an emergency cesarean section to birth my daughter. I lost almost two liters of blood on the table. Four days later, I could only get out of bed or go to the bathroom with the help of the hospital's mobility aids. And yet I only took paracetamol twice a day, as if I had a damn headache. All because I'd been conditioned to ignore my pain and my needs by my father. Oof, Emma. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think about this a lot. Um uh, not just on the individual basis or the family structure basis, but I think about this in our society. I'm sure that we all know now right. the stats about how often black women um, uh, experience extreme physical injuries and what the rate of death is for newborns for black women. And I think right. about if you are going through a lifetime of abuse, and it is abusive to live in this world as a black woman, especially Mm -hmm. in the Western world, anywhere that, you know, um, slavery existed in that form. Um, And that's what generationally for hundreds of years you've dealt with. I I think about that a lot, about how many black women delivering babies are going through the same story that Emma's talking about. Yeah. If your body is devalued, 
what happens uh, to your medical care, what happens to like how you seek it, how you even register it, and especially how professionals and healthcare givers receive it or take it, how yes. seriously they take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Emma, in your case, it's like you couldn't go to the bathroom without help. Why were these medical professionals okay with just giving you the equivalent of two aspirin a day? What? Mm-hmm. No, no. It's wild. Not okay. Not okay. It's wild. I don't know, Emma. Um, but yeah, on a societal level, on an individual one, trauma is real and it comes out in ways sometimes that we don't expect. It definitely did for you, Jolenta. It did. Yeah. Did not expect that. <laughs> All right. Let's read this letter from Tabby who um, kind of in the same vein but a different take on things that I think is really fascinating. Tabby says, hearing Jolenta say that withholding medical aid is a form of abuse was an aha moment for me. I skipped back to hear her say it again. I grew up in Christian science, and there were so many times I suffered because my family believed that prayer should cure everything. My mother has a lot of guilt around this, but my father is still in the religion. I made so many excuses for him over the years, but I think I just needed to hear someone say that what I experienced was a form of abuse, even if my father believed he was doing the best by his belief system. It just wasn't the best for me. Yeah. I guess I'm glad I could give you that aha moment. Like, it's a bummer that this was an aha moment for some people, but also, like, it starts— But also for you, Jolenta. Right, and me too, but it also makes a lot of sense. Let's not minimize what you went through here. Right, it also starts making—it helps make things make a lot of sense. You get a sense of relief, and it's not like you're excited to have, like, a bad guy to blame, but you can be like, oh— Someone was working within the best of their ability, but, like, that still impacted me, like, very negatively. And, like, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people are trying their best and they're still abusing others. Let's just be real. It's true. Some people's best is still abusive. Right. Some people are so, you know, have so much of their own shit going on, they, like, can't take care of other people well. Yeah. On that note, let's take a hot break. A hot quickie. (laughs) And uh, when we come back, we're going to lift the mood a smidge, and we'll talk about the ways people are enjoying the transcendence of life. And also, we'll talk about next week's book. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back talking about I Have Chosen to Stay and Fight by Margaret Cho. Now, Jolenta, 
in the book. Margaret encourages her readers to do things that feel transcendent. You may recall that Dean and I went to the New York Botanic Garden and took in an art exhibition. We took in some birds. We took in some trees and some flowers. (laughs) We did the whole thing. And now let's hear from some readers about the transcendent things that they've been doing. Yes. Sarah says, It's been transcendent swimming with my daughter. There's nothing like the feeling of cold water on a really hot day and turning your head up to the sun. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I I also like floating on my back a lot because it's not very much work. So all those things. Jennifer says, I began ketamine infusions for major depressive disorder. It's surreal and it's working. Ooh, I am intrigued. I've heard a lot of good stuff about this. Don't know enough to talk more about it. (laughs) I have friends who've done it, and they have had good experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Candace says, two weeks ago, I started an earthing practice. I live in an apartment and don't have a yard, so I'm never barefoot outside. So I have been driving to the beach and walking and sitting with my feet on the sand to ground myself. It has made me more energized, happier, and less stressed. Mm. I have it. not been barefoot very much this year at all, but no. go Candace. I, I, I love being barefoot on the beach. Mm-hmm. And Jory says this, honestly, laughing with friends feels transcendent right now. We had friends in our house for the first time in over a year playing a funny card game and laughing so hard at our answers. It was wonderful. Mm. That's really nice. Friends are nice. Also, so are card games. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing gin with Brad a lot, and it's great, mostly because I win a lot. <laughs> well, huge thanks to everybody who wrote and called in this week. Reminder, you can always share your thoughts and stories at 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. And Jolenta, now it's time. It's the time when we announce next week's book. Our next book is Nothing. Is that mean? All of you. We were just kidding. There's no book next week because this is the final episode of season eight of By the Book. But don't worry. Don't fret. Do not cry. We're not trying to like ghost you. Every other week between now and season nine, we'll be releasing a bonus episode. You know them. You love them. You may skip them, but I recommend you don't. Uh, We have some really, really fun ones lined up. Uh, For example, everyone's all-time favorite friend of the show, Trish Travis, is going to walk us through the history of celebrity self-help books. You cannot miss it. I believe I said she blew my mind at least three times during our call with Trish. You got to check it out. We also talked to Gretchen Rubin, uh, who shares some of the best advice she's gotten from celebrities. Uh, Hint, we talk about Drew Barrymore. Um, (laughs) And we'll even have some celebrity guests. You have to keep your eye peeled on your feed. We have some very exciting guests. Yes, and our bonus episodes start in exactly two weeks from today with our Season 8 recap, so watch out for that. That's the episode where we say what we're still doing, what we're not doing, what was pure torture, and of course where we name the book that we consider the best. 
and the worst of the season. Check it out. And that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge, huge thank you to our very awesome production team at Stitcher. We love them so much. Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Andy Christens. Of course, thanks to Nate Wida, who composed our theme song, and the Rizzos, who perform our theme song. Please stay in touch. You can join our Facebook community at facebook.com slash groups slash BTB pod. You can also follow us on social at Jolenta G at Kristen Meinzer and at by the book pod on Twitter and on Instagram at by the book pod. And don't forget to rate us and review us. Did you love this season? Maybe give it a good old five star tap uh, in your Apple podcast or your Stitcher app or wherever you're listening. It helps people find the show. And of course, another thing that helps people find the show is just word of mouth. So please tell a friend or a Margaret show or, you know, someone you love about it. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolanta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Sorry, I knocked over my mic just now by accident. Didn't even notice. Really? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, I did. I totally did. Yeah, I was like, I feel like you noticed. Like, you probably heard it more than I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Things happen. I'm sure you heard me in the bathroom a second ago. (laughs) No, I didn't. I was too busy freaking out about birds. (laughs) Stitcher. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.